Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast and welcome to a new decade. We're starting a new series called First Things First and this one's called It's Already True. The question for you all to get started with is what were your New Year's resolutions? Enjoy. Okay, so before we get going, I am going to need two volunteers. You're going to be up here with me the entire time. And before you risk this, you need to be very comfortable with the uncomfortable. You're probably going to need to Eskimo kiss somebody at the end of a sermon. And I wish that was a joke. So can I get two volunteers? Yep, come on up, Carly. That'd be so great. Thank you, Carly Lopez. Come on up. You're just going to sit right here, and uh, eventually I will hand some pieces of paper to you, and yeah, we'll kind of go from there. This is beautiful. As we start a new year, I want to think about this idea of first things first, that what are these things that are like at the base of who we are as human beings? What are the things that we can hold on to that are the most true about who we are that can shape the journeys that we have ahead? And so to do that, I want to talk about this idea that it's already true about you, and we're going to get to what those things are as you live into a new decade, into a new year. But to do that, we're going to talk about some things. So we're going to talk about a starting point. And if you can be on a starting point, then eventually you can be on a journey. And if we can talk about what a journey looks like, then we're going to get into Genesis 1 and talk about Ruach. And everybody said Hebrew words. They got excited. (laughs) Then we're going to talk about a four-letter word that cannot be named. Okay, and then we're going to talk about Jesus, because after you do a four-letter word, then you got to talk about Jesus. Then if you can talk about Jesus, then you can talk about it's already true. Then you can talk about a Howley, any of my Hawaiian friends out there. And then we're going to talk about Michelle Obama, and then... I love that Jesus got four cheers and Michelle Obama. Anyone else experience that? I wonder what kind of state that we're... I just came back from Wisconsin, by the way, so like if I said Michelle Obama, they'd be like, I'm burning! It was fun. I would go into bars with my brother-in-law, and I would just ask people, who did you vote for? He's like, why do you do this in my state? (laughs) Part of the reason for that is that when you're in Wisconsin, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but we're here, and you have nowhere to go, (laughs) is that there's nothing else to eat or drink there except brown, white, and beige things. And so you have a lot of PBRs, and you just kind of make friends with whoever you can. Uh, Lots of gun owners out there. Then, if we can talk about Michelle Obama... Then we're going to come back and say, it is already true about you. So what we need to start with is the starting point. I have to make a very elaborate drawing here. Bear with me. High tech. This is called paper. Carly, can you hold that, please? Very beautiful. Every time I say starting point, you're going to hold that up. Starting point. Michelle Obama. Put it down. Starting point. Exactly. Beautiful. You're doing a great job. Thank you for six people who are optimistic and encouraging. The rest of you will work on it. I think that the new year is always interesting. I know there's some people who are like, you know, I'm not going to make any resolutions. If it's going to be true of my life, then I'm going to do it every day, and I don't need a new year to tell me that. Great. 
What we're saying is, is that for the rest of humanity, it's a great opportunity to be like, you know what? Like last year, I ended with all of the holidays. You ate too much. You drank too much. You did whatever. And it's a new time to reflect. It's a new time to say there's fresh opportunity out there. What kind of human being can I be moving into this year? And that starting points are incredibly powerful. Oh, she's good. Because we all have them. You start new jobs, you get into a new relationship, and there's all these different times in our lives where we have a new starting point. This is gonna get exhausting, I can already feel it. You really don't have to clap every time, unless you wanna be here for 40 minutes longer than you need to be. But the opportunity for us to say, what are some things that I can put in my life that will be true so that when I start this new thing or when I start a new year, what are the things that I can remind myself of? There's a local priest that used to work at All Saints that he said this, that when we come together to remember Christ, all we're doing is reversing the amnesia of the world. That we're reversing the amnesia that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, all these other things, that you're reminding yourself of the truth, that you are good, that you are beautiful, that you are loved, that you are a child of God. And what if these things were at deep within your body, at a cellular level, true to your core, true to your bones, and that's where we want to begin. The problem is, is that we all start the new year with a resolution, or we have these different moments in life where it's like, today is the day that I will buy the Peloton whatever the thing is. And then you buy the $2,000 Peloton with the $80 a month membership or whatever, and it sits there for months collecting dust. Because it's one thing to talk about a starting point, and it's another thing to allow that thing to move into your bones so that the actual journey of your life will matter. And how many of you have been there? That you've started something new and you're incredibly hopeful, but then you got into the thing and it was more difficult than you thought? Jobs, relationships, faith, everything, right? <laughs> Working out. How many of you have started off a New Year's resolution saying, I am going to get myself some abs? <laughs> How many of you got those abs? Dakota, you're not allowed to raise your hand. <laughs> Do you want to see some abs, Dakota? Every no, I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Follow him on Instagram. They are looking good, my friends. I don't know about you, but I start these journeys on the starting point, and I begin to think about the different resolutions that I've made, and then I'm like, this is so unrealistic. Like, I have a resolution for every part of my life. I'm like, I all of a sudden have 80 hours in a day, right? I follow Will Smith's words, which is read and run every day. So I was like, okay, I'm going to read for an hour every morning, and then I'm going to run, and then I'm going to go make a green juice smoothie, and then after I make a green juice smoothie, then I'm going to like center myself, and then after I do that, then I'm going to work for 14 hours, and after I work for 14 hours, I'm going to spend 15 hours with my children every day. I'm going to spend another 18 hours telling my wife how amazing she is, and then I'll finish with some quiet time or something. And you're like, this is not realistic, and I think that part of the reason for that is that there's so many changes that we all want in our lives sometimes. But maybe the thing that we need is not to make all of these changes to our life, but to be satisfied with who we already are. What if who you are in this moment, in this exact space, is okay? What if who you are in this moment, you don't have anything to prove to anybody? What if how God sees you in this moment is enough? And go do those things. Get some abs, my friends, because Dakota does look better in a bathing suit than I do. But, 
Regardless of where you're at on that spectrum, what if you're okay? What if even if you fail this year, it's okay? What if even if you don't figure it out this year, it's okay? Because the journey is complicated. And even though we start somewhere, it doesn't mean that it's always going to get worked out. So what we need is our second piece of paper here, a very elaborate drawing. This is a drawing of your journey. I went to art school. Beautiful. Every time I say journey, you are going to hold this up. That's your life, by the way. Isn't that beautiful? This is your life. This is your life on drugs. You get it. I think that what we want in life is for it to look like the stock market. It's just always up and to the right. But I think most of life is this. We start with good intentions. We start with great hopes. We start with positivity and optimism. And then we get into it, and you're forward, and you're back, and you're up, and you're down, and you stop, and you rest. And sometimes you make great leaps and bounds. And what if that is normal? What if that is actually how the story is supposed to work out? What if when we call this thing faith, it actually means faith? And faith is not certitude, which is what most of us were told. Certitude is certitude. Faith is big enough to hold doubt. Faith is big enough to hold wonder. Faith is big enough to hold all of these other things together because what we want to do at New Abbey is not give you better answers, but teach you to ask better questions for the journey. Oh, all right, we got to get anyone because he hasn't done it yet. So if we can do that, let's start somewhere. Follow along with me. And did we put the passages in there, by the way? No. Great. Genesis 1, 1 through 2, and John 3, 16, Matthew 3, 16 through 17. Great. Well, we are very organized around here. Um, this is happening at Saddleback just right now as we speak. Doesn't matter. I know the verses. Genesis 1 is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And there's something incredibly important about that verse, is that there's this idea that in the beginning, that God's Spirit was already there in the chaos of the waters. In the ancient world, the chaos represented darkness. It represented the unknown. The waters were these things that were tumultuous and that you were terrified of. And what it's saying is that the beginning of the story is the owning of the fact that maybe the waters will be chaotic, and that's just a part of the human journey. That part of the human journey is this. We say it in New Abbey all of the time that the most difficult job you'll ever have is to be human. And so the story starts with God as this spirit who's hovering over these waters. And there's this word for spirit there in the Hebrew, and this word is ruach. Say ruach with me, my friends. There you go. Oh, there was, someone has some like good guttural like Jewish, and they're like, Ruach, that was nice. That was good. And Ruach means a bunch of things. Ruach means spirit. Ruach means wind. Ruach means breath. Ruach means the thing that animates all of life. It's like the Bible was saying this. So much of religion goes wrong when it tells you to go in search of God. Because the story of Scripture the story of this God is that you never have to go in search, that this God has already baked into the fabric of the universe, that this God is always there. That's why even over the chaos of the waters, when you start your journey, 
that God is already there, that the very first verses in Scripture say this, that breath was already there. Breathe in with me. God is what the Scriptures say. That the wind, that the air all around you has always been there. That the thing that animates all of life, that gives you consciousness and breath and sight and the desire to love and to go to Trader Joe's and to look at pictures of the Hubble Space Telescope is already within you. That you don't need to go anywhere to find and experience God. What if the journey has always been that God is there right with you from the beginning? That every baby who's born into this world, and I can remember it with each of my three children, each of their cries were so unique that first time that they took in that breath, that, <gasps> God, God. And you wait for that cry. And every ancient people is known from the beginning of time, this God is animating everything. This God is already there. These little children don't need to go and search for anything. The moment they opened their lungs in this world, even before that, as their mother was carrying them in the womb, she was bringing in this oxygen, this air, this wind, this breath, this spirit that animates the whole world. And God was always there. What a different way to experience God in the world than what so many of us were taught, that we have to go in search of this God, that we need to prove ourselves to this God, that we just need to say sorry enough times to this God, that if I would just confess, just raise my hand, just get baptized in this certain way, if I filled out enough pledge cards, this God might be satisfied with me. What an awful story. Instead of a story that says, every time you breathe in and every time you breathe out, the divine is always there with you from the very beginning through every part of your journey. And how does that change your outlook? How does that change practically who you are? How does that change that even though you go into that situation and you excel at that new job or that relationship is so perfect, they gave you a family ring, my friend. <laughs> or you failed. You loved in such a way that you've never been so hurt. You experienced betrayal. And even in the midst of all of that, every time that you breathed in and every time that you breathed out, the divine was with you. That it didn't matter if it was good and that was God or if it was bad and that wasn't. It took away all of the cause and effects. It's like the Bible's trying to say, where we begin is that God is always with you. And the rest of scripture is humanity figuring it out. It's humanity on this journey. It's up, it's down. There's blood, there's sweat, there's tear, there's joy, there's hope, there's singing, there's sorrow. Because that's what it means to be human. That you don't have to go in search of that thing because the thing is always with you in every moment of the day. It's surrounded you, it's around you, it's within you, it's for you, it's ahead of you, it's with you. This is who God is. That's good news. And it's a completely different way of seeing the world. That for the ancient Hebrews, when God revealed God's name, there was this thing called the tetragrammaton. It was these four dots. The four dots represented the four letters for Yahweh. And Yahweh is this name that for many Jews, hundreds of years later, they wouldn't even say the name of Yahweh because they thought, oh, this thing is too holy. This thing is too sacred. If we even utter the divine name of this God, then angels will come down. But instead, what the story was originally saying is, this God is giving you God's name so that you will always have access, so that you will always know that you're unknown. And one of the most ancient rabbis say this, that the name of Yahweh is simply just breath. 
It is the inhale of yah and the exhale of way. That's all that it was for the ancient people. It was coming back to the reminder of this God has always been with you. When you utter in the name of this God, when you breathe it out, you are taking in that love and you're giving that love back out to the world. When religion goes bad is when we make things so sacred that nobody gets access to this God anymore. How many of you grew up in that world that the closer you got to this God, the more exclusive that this God became? Instead of a world, I saw like three hands shyly do this. I'm the only one in the room? Okay, put it back down. Instead of it being, no, 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 this God from the very beginning is saying, I've always been with you. I'm ruach, I'm wind, I'm spirit, I'm breath. I'm around you all of the time. That this is God is saying that even the name that I give you, that you have something to hold on to, that's simply just breathing it in and breathing it out. How does that change the story for you? That when we look at Jesus and the baptism of Jesus, that it's incredible. Because in the beginning of Jesus' journey, at the starting point of Jesus' life, what happens is that Jesus has done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing at the baptism. And then in the baptism moment of Jesus, it says that John dunks him under the water. And when he comes out, that the heavens are separated. And that the Spirit of God, this divine breath, this Spirit, the thing that animates all things, comes down upon him and says these words, You are my child. You are my son. You are loved. And with you I am well pleased. And isn't that interesting? We didn't need to wait for some cross for that to be true. That at the beginning of Jesus' life was the reminder for all of humanity that if it's true of Christ, then it's true of you. As when we say it here all the time, that what it means to be a mature Christian is your capacity to see Christ in everyone and everything. If you can look at your enemy and say, Christ. If you can look at the people who are different than you and say, oh, there's Christ. Then you are mature in your faith. It's not about, did you memorize those verses? Did you get the gold stars? Did you show up to church enough time? Did you please this God because you gave enough sacrifices? It's, are you so transformed by this reality that if this Christ is in you all of the time, is it possible that this Christ is in every single other human being? How does that change the world? How does that change everything that we do? I think it radically changes everything. Instead of it being a story where a few people get to exclude and hold the name of this God and tell people who comes in and out, the story is saying, your journey is already going to have its ups and downs and it's everywhere and it's movements. But what if in this story, this God is with you the entire time and every part of your story, what if the thing that you can hold on to is that if it's true of Christ, it's true of you, that it's already true that you are a daughter or son of the divine. That it's already true that God loves you. That it's already true that God actually likes you. And that you need to do nothing to change that. How does that change the way that you live into your life? How does that change the way that we treat the rest of the world? In Hawaiian culture, uh, they called the first kind of white people who showed up, the colonizers, haoles. Because haoles were these people that when the Hawaiians met, they would stand up next to one another. You're both my Hawaiians there. Come on, stand up. There you go. You can put your papers down a second. And they would greet one another by grabbing each other's arms and looking deep into each other's faces and Eskimo kissing one another. Yeah. You can sit. You may be seated. Thank you. 
And the reason why is this. If you believe that the divine is in this person, you'll Eskimo kiss them, right? You'll rub your noses against them. Why? Because you are willing to be intimate, connected. They would call the white colonizers Hallies because they would reach at a distance. They would keep their divine breath away. And the story, the implications of the good news is that we don't keep the divine breath away. That we see the divine within one another. That we can acknowledge if Christ is in me, then Christ is in you. And what's the implications for that for the entire world? How will that change the way that you see other people in 2020? If you can believe that God's Ruach has always been in you, if you can believe that the divine name has always been accessible, if you can believe that if it's true about Jesus, then it's true about you, how will that change how you vote in 2020? How will that change how you pray for and support and care for protesters in Hong Kong who want freedom? How will that change the type of smaller groups that you get into because you know that other people need intimacy just as badly as you do in a city like Los Angeles where we're surrounded by millions of people but so many of us feel alone? How will that change the way that you give? How will that change your time? How will that change the way that you call your political leaders and say, we don't want war because if the divine is in me, then how dare we ever kill another human being around the world? How will that change your ecological habits? That we have a world that is burning up. That we have a world where our oceans are filled with plastic. If I believe that the divine is in me, then don't I believe that every other human being has a better right to this world as well. That future generations should live in a world that actually works for them and doesn't harm them. How would it change how you care about the refugees at a border? How would it change every part of your humanity? How will it change that most intimate relationship in your life? Because sometimes it's the people that are closest to us that are the most difficult. How will it change that, that this person who you've allowed so much love to come into also is the person who has the capacity to hurt you the most? Maybe that's a partner. Maybe that's a mom or dad. Maybe that's a sibling. Maybe that's a best friend. We all have these people in our minds. How will it change how you see them and you say, if Christ is in me, then Christ can also be in you? That if this is my starting point on my journey, then is this also your starting point on your journey? Is this the way that I'm going to live? That's the good news that we're a part of. That's the truth that's always been true for all of us. This is where the great prophetess Michelle Obama says, if they go low, we go high. Which is another, oh, yeah, one clap over here. All right, I like it. Which is another way of saying this. When Jesus says, I say, love your enemies. If people come and try to kill you, how do you love them? The only time that Jesus ever uses the word perfect is be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. And when Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, Jesus is saying, that's your end goal. That you would be so much like God that you could love even the people that you hate the most. That's what it means to be like Christ, is that you could so love, you could love to the depths of the earth. How would we radically heal and transform Los Angeles in 2020? As we say from Brene Brown all of the time, my healing is dependent upon your healing, and your healing is dependent upon mine, and our healing is dependent upon the healing of the world. How will we be advocates for healing in the world? Because we know it's already true about us. It's already true about you, my brothers and sisters, that you are loved. And those are easy words to say on a Sunday morning. They're incredibly difficult words to believe about yourself at 2 a.m. when you wake up and you don't believe anything good about yourself. 
It's difficult sometimes to believe at that job where you don't feel validated. It's difficult to believe if you have a family who won't accept you because of your sexuality. It might be difficult to believe because there's a church that told you that you're less than because you're not a male or you're not this certain race, you're not this thing. What if none of that is the real story? What if what's always been true about you is that you are a child of the divine? That this God loves you and that this God enjoys everything about you today? Would you grab the hand of somebody around you and would you close your eyes? Would you breathe in, and would you breathe out? God. And as you go through your journey this year, or through your resolutions, or through the different things that you have going on, when you can't figure it out, when you feel like you've failed, when you have doubts and wonders, or if you're on those mountaintops, if everything is going your way, would you remember to breathe in, and breathe out. God, would you remember that this Ruach is always with you? Would you remember that this God is never separated from you? That is not about your ability to find God. It is that God has already baked into the universe that God is with you. When you don't have it figured out this year, would you remember, oh, if it was true about Jesus, it would be true about me. How will it change your world this year when you say, I am a child of the divine. I am loved and I am pleasing. God, we thank you for this time and that we can start the year this way. That we can be reminded with one another that we are not alone. That we are not alone because every time we breathe in and every time we breathe out, you are there. That we are not alone as we hold the hand of somebody else around us would we be reminded of this beautiful reality that they too are breathing in and breathing out the goodness of God. And God, would we be changed and healed and transformed and matured by this radical reality that began in the start of your scriptures and at the origins of the world that is true in Christ and it is true about us and may our lives create impact and action and transformation in all that we do. So we go into a new year and a new decade receiving this grace and peace and offering it to the rest of the world in Jesus' name, amen. Would you find those same three or four people around you? And would you ask this, answer this question, what is already true about you? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.